The Donut Bag is brought to you by Penn Highway Marketplace, the marketplace for vintage goods, quality collectibles, and handmade crafts. It's where I get all my sports memorabilia. Go to facebook.com slash penhighway. That's facebook.com slash P-E-N-N-H-W-Y and mention I sent you. So the Penguins have been on... I want to say a roller coaster. Yeah, maybe a roller coaster. Uh, it was really down, and now now it looks like up. Um, Vince, do you th- are, are the Penguins about where you expected them to be at the beginning of the season? They are. Um, I figured they would be a fringe playoff team, but they've gone about it in a completely different way than I thought they would. Um, I, I, you know, they had a five, you know, five zero and zero run there, and then they lost a bunch of games in a row. I kind of figured they would alternate wins and losses, but in the end, right now, they are about where I would expect them to be in like a seventh, eighth playoff type of seed. The race is crazy. They, they, I think they're tied right now with like six other teams with the, the exact same points. Uh, do you think right now they'll make the playoffs? Because right now it looks touch and go. I do. I think that the Capitals, the Islanders, and maybe the Flyers are going to drop off, particularly the Islanders. Um, I just, uh, I just don't see it with them. They do have a great goaltender, don't get me wrong, but. I just don't see how they can sustain what they're doing right now. I think they have like nine or 10 loser points. They have like nine overtime losses. Um, I don't, I don't see that they can sustain um, the way that they're getting points uh, the way they are. Um, the Capitals, you know, they're, they're, they're right there with the Penguins, but I, I actually think that they're a, a worse team than the Penguins and they're, uh, they just don't have the the firepower that the Penguins do. Um, and the Flyers, I mean, we saw what the Penguins did to the Flyers the other night. Now I know the Flyers beat the Penguins earlier this year, but um, I don't think the, the Flyers are quite ready for prime time yet. So I think at least one or two of those teams are going to drop out. I do uh, think that New Jersey is probably going to jump back into a playoff spot at some point. So, you know, there, there, there is definitely a lot of uh, posturing to happen before the, the end of the season here. But I do think, the, the Penguins are talented enough to make the playoffs probably as a 7-8 seed, especially with the way their goaltending has been playing this season. That goaltending has been amazing, and and I think that surprised everyone. I was pretty upset when, when they uh, brought back Jari. I was never a fan of his, and it's not perfect, but Ned, my goodness, what a surprise they basically it seemed it's like did they have a a, a number one and number two or is it are they both two um, both like one a and one b yeah i think right now it's one a and one b um you know you look at what uh what dubas did in the off season and when you looked around at who was available jari probably was the best goalie available at the time, I was a little weary of the signing myself, especially five years for somebody who really has quite honestly not proven himself. Um, the signing of Nadalkovich was brilliant. I mean, when you look at the best goalies that were out there and available as free agents, Nadalkovich probably was the best goalie out there available. And I mean, to see the way that these two have played this year, uh, you know, they're, it's paying dividends what Dubas did. And, you know, quite honestly, and this is not a knock on Jari and the way he's played this year, because I think he's played very well. I think Nadalkovich is the better goaltender. I think that he just has the, the, 
the more raw talent. And I, and I think that he looks more confident when he's in net. Now, as the season has gone on, I think Jari has looked more confident, but I do think Nadalkovich is the slightly better goalie than Jari. I, I just love that there, that, that he's net is there because I think in previous years, Jari, you know, you look at Casey DeSmith and, you didn't think you never thought, oh, he could challenge for the number oh. one role. No, never. He was always he was always going to be the two. Well, now you have someone right there because it seems like I mean, I've heard the phrase January Jari. I hope that's really not a thing. <laughs> but for what for whatever reason, he does seem to uh, play worse like toward the, you know, January, February, March, April. So um, if he does at this time, it's like. Okay, we'll, we'll just we'll, we'll just throw somebody we'll just throw Ned in there, and uh, so maybe that'll push him a little bit more. Yeah, you know, and I give Mike Sullivan credit. Um, he could very easily say Jari's my number one goalie, and despite how well Ned's playing, he could keep on playing Jari. But he's giving Nadalgovich pretty much every other game at this point. So I give Sullivan credit for that because I think maybe in the past he was a little reluctant to do that. Now, granted. He's never had a great backup goaltender like Nadalkovich, but um, I do give Sullivan credit for basically splitting the starts and letting Nadalkovich get games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another amazing thing is how Sidney Crosby and really Malkin too are still bringing it at a high level at their age. Yes. It's amazing. It's amazing. And like, it's it's just it just it's just amazing that we've been seeing these guys for my goodness almost twenty years now, and they're still playing at a high level. It's like you know they had that there was that one game against uh, Toronto where they got destroyed, and I yeah. think that was a turning point. Seven nothing game. Yeah, seven nothing game, and also the Kyle Dubis press conference where he basically said, we'll see how things go until the, we'll evaluate things until the off season, yes. until the, uh, the all-star break. And I think that was, a, I think that sent a pretty big message. And ever since then, the, the team has played really well. And, you know, they basically went from uh, maybe having a sell-off to maybe becoming buyers of the trade deadline. But it's, it's just amazing that Crosby yeah. and Malkin are playing at this level. I mean, they're talking about Crosby for MVP, for goodness yeah. sake. I mean, and you're, you're leaving uh, Chris Letang out of that conversation. Yeah. Too. I mean, yeah. he set the NHL record for uh, most assists by a defenseman in a period. Uh, I mean, it's really amazing. And th the one amazing thing when you look at Evgeny Malkin this season is his play in the defensive zone. At one point, a couple weeks ago, he actually had the best faceoff winning percentage of any forward in the NHL in the defensive zone. Like, where Crazy. did that come from? Uh, you know, Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby. I mean, he is literally playing the same way today at the age of 36 that he was when he was 19. It's just amazing. I mean, that play that he made last week to beat out the icing call, that just kind of summarizes, you know, who Sidney Crosby is and the, the, the type of game that he plays. So, I mean... It's pretty amazing. You know, Malkin, he, he, there were a few lulls in his game this season. You know, he had a couple, you know, three, four game stretches where he didn't kind of look the the part. But, I mean, overall, he's been great. I mean, it it is amazing, like you said. I mean, these three guys have been playing together for the better part of two decades. And usually, you know, when you see this, I mean, you see, you see it in other sports, too, like uh, 
Miguel Cabrera with the with the Tigers. You know, it it's like okay, yeah, he's on the team and he's been there forever, but he's a shell of his former self. I mean, these guys are still, you know, top fifty. You know, in, in Sidney Crosby's case, top five NHL you know players in the NHL, and it, it it's just amazing. And anybody who says like, oh, they shouldn't have resigned these guys. Uh, you know, I don't know who you would have gotten that is any better than the, these guys. I mean, okay, I, you talk about Trocheck and yeah, you know, they're they're similar. They're similar numbers. I mean, you know, I, I don't begrudge the Penguins, you know, for for re-signing these guys at all. And they're they're really, you know, the, the top players on the team. And it was that way last season too. It wasn't Malkin, Crosby, Latang that were the problem last season. Right. Or this season, it's it's the you know the supporting cast that's the problem. And last year it was the goaltending. At least this season, the goaltending's been better. Yeah. Um, Crosby's Crosby's Malkin's roles have been kind of the same. They're playing with the same people, so not much of a change for them. But for Latang, yes, with Carlson coming in, everything had to change for him. You know. Every other year, he's been like the guy, the the number one defenseman, the offensive guy on defense. And now you got another guy who's you know with with bigger stature, who, yeah. who won a Norris Trophy, he was, who had all these you know all these goals, all these points, and Latang is thriving, and it's awesome. It's just uh, uh, you got to give him a lot of credit because that that could have gone a different way. Yeah, I mean, you know. So much credit has to be given to Chris Letang. I mean, not only for the way he keeps himself in shape, I mean, battling through strokes and health issues. And, you know, he could have easily had a a bruised ego when when uh, Eric Carlson came here, but he embraced it. He's like, I want to play with this guy. I mean, this guy's won Norris trophies. I want to play with this guy. And, you know, quite honestly, he's played better than Eric Carlson. And I'm not knocking Eric Carlson. I mean, he's like a, what a plus 11 on the season can't you can't uh you can't beat that really and Latang's a plus nine but I think it's actually going to be good for Latang in the long term because I mean I know his numbers are still way up there but it's taking a little bit of ice time away from him and that that you know maybe one minute a game that he you know where Carlson's going out there for the first power play those minutes add up at the end of the season and maybe he'll be a little bit more fresh at the end of the season but you know, to be quite honest with you, I think that Latang should probably be manning that first power play unit and Carlson the second. But I don't know what it is with Carlson. He just doesn't seem to look comfortable out there on that first power play unit, which is crazy to say for a guy who's won three Norris trophies and had 100 points last year. But, you know, he's flubbing the puck. He just doesn't seem to, you know, be able to make quick decisions with the puck. Whereas you watch Latang this season, I mean, as evidenced by the five assist game or the six assist game, I should say. Uh, he looks so much so confident out there. Maybe it's time to switch those two. Just maybe even if it's just temporary, just to see how it works. Because obviously that power play needs something. Yeah, that power play needs something. I mean, it was it, it when things were bad. That power play was basically like sinking the season. Like 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 you can't do that. You can't go all these games without scoring a power play goal. That's just it's just not sustainable, and it's just. <laughs> How on earth do you have a bad power play with some of the most skilled players in the league? There's four, there's four future Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah, play. it's 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 ridiculous. Um, yeah, uh, Carlson. He's. I I think there's just uh, 
I think he's still in the adjustment period. I think he's still trying I mean, to find his role. You know, I, I mean, uh, you know, I saw that he's he's on pace for 60 points or something like that. And last, I think last year he had like 100 points. I mean, that's that's pretty bad when you have a, yeah. a 40% drop. Um, well, I mean, you know, 100 points is obviously not not realistic. But, yeah. um, you know, I think in, you know, I've, I know other people have talked about this too, but sometimes it, it's a little bit different for defensemen and adjustment periods because I think Ryan Graves is going through this same adjustment period. And it, yeah, he's been awful i mean just to put it the way it is he's been awful but you know we i I go back to and i know other people have talked about this too that first year the gonchar was here he um he i mean you know when you were watching gonchar that first year he was here it was like what are we going to do with this guy for the next four years he's awful and then of course he, he you know turns out to be the hall of fame defenseman that he he will be someday um, and I think that's what's going on with Carlson and, and Graves. I mean, obviously, Carlson is the more talented of those two, but I think that they're both going through an adjustment period. And I, I'm hoping that by, you know, the, the last quarter of the season that both of them will kind of start to live up to expectations. Paul Martin, too. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Like horrible the first, year. the first year. And then, yeah, they were they were awesome the second year. Um Carlson's doing, you know, okay. I, 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 the one thing I like about Carlson is, I mean, it just seemed like he had that reputation of, you know, all offense and defense be damned. And for him to be a, uh, a plus, uh, plus 11, that's pretty impressive. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, you know, he, the, the, the defense just, you know, it's, it's not as bad as we thought it would, but, um, Graves, Wow. I mean, I mean, you know, he's been dropped to the third pair now. And I mean, he's, he's literally bringing down whoever he plays with. And, um, you know, to the, to the point now where P.O. Joseph is forced to play in a top four role. And I don't think he's ready for that. And not to mention the fact he's not that kind of stay at home defenseman that Pedersen is. He's got kind of an offensive mindset of his own and, you know, he doesn't really have the physical presence to be that kind of stay-at-home defenseman like Pedersen either. So, you know, if, if you're looking for moves at the deadline, that that could be one of them. I know Ludwig is eventually going to come back and maybe he could slot into that top four role. But, uh, you know, I was looking at the stats a little bit earlier today. He He's a minus seven in pretty limited action. And I don't know if that's a guy you want playing in your top four. So maybe you can – Maybe you could go out and, and get one of the stay-at-home defensemen. Now they're they're very hard to find. Like you know, for instance, I was looking at like what what uh, Radko Gudis's contract looks like with Anaheim because obviously Anaheim's having a terrible season. Uh, four million four million a year for the next two years after this year. I don't think they're going to be going out and doing that. I'm thinking they might be going out and getting the. A guy more along the lines of like a Robert Bortuzzo, uh, you know, $950,000 a year just, you know, for some insurance. But, um, you know, obviously the Penguins are hoping Graves turns it around and he can slot back into that that top four role. But right now he's just really, really struggling. It's so frustrating, too, because he's a big dude, mm-hmm. 6'5", 220. And what what is it about physical big people when they come to the pittsburgh they automatically like lose all their physicality yeah <laughs> they, they, so turn into, they turn into guys that want to make fancy passes yeah and, i mean <laughs> you know we even used to see that uh 
to a much lesser extent, you know, like guys like Brooks Orpic and Ryan Whitney way back in the day, they're trying to make these fancy passes. And, uh, you know, I'm not by any means con- comparing Ryan Graves to Brooks Orpic, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's just so weird. You know, if you almost want to like take the heart of a guy like a Patrick Hornquist and stick it in Ryan Graves and, you know, see what that defenseman looks like, because you're right. Like, you know, to be blessed with that, that physical skill set and to go out there and be so soft. It, it's very frustrating to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say so soft. This is the anniversary of the yeah. Michelle Terry and Rats. The, so, the 18th so anniversary. I I, so I can't remember. So. I, I might've been in the visitor's locker room that night, but I remember like immediately after the game, you're like, you got to see this. <laughs> Was on epic, epic. I I just watched it a, a, a little bit ago. It's like oh, this just you know the the accent, the way he, he the way he said something. Oh, it was just perfect. I I just, we, yeah, we would with my friends. I would we would just we would just recite that speech all the time. Yeah, I, I used to I used to love talking to him after games. He just told it like it was and uh, didn't care who uh, <laughs> who he was offending or you know who. Um, who heard his message it was he was a great guy to talk to he kind of was the perfect coach for at the time yes. you know crosby was just starting malkin was just start they were all young and impressionable and he was that hard guy that was just really you know really ag- abrasive and, and 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 gruff and really hard on them which is kind of what they needed and and that you know somebody like that he's not going to stay there forever but for for the short time he 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 did a good job yeah, that, that group, it was so young, they needed that tough love. And, um, you know, th- like you said, coaches like that, they have an expiration date. And once these guys that, you know, Malkin, Crosby, Latang blossomed into these kind of superstar players, they don't want a hard-nosed coach like that. Anymore. No. <laughs> that's, why he, that's why John Tortorella's had so many jobs. You know, he he's, he's great for a team that's rebuilding and to get them to a certain point. And, you know, I know obviously he's won a Stanley Cup, but, um, you know, that a guy like that's not going to stick around with the same group of guys for 17 years or 10 yeah. years even, you know. Um, but he was he was the right coach at the right time, that's for sure. Well, I've heard a lot of people say that maybe Sullivan shouldn't be the coach for her. Um, uh, but he, he, you know, it. And they've turned it around, and I, you know, I've been critical because it seems like they they play the same style. They refuse to change, but it seems like they're they're, they're more grinders now, more yes. physical. Um, you know, maybe maybe that that's helped uh, them win a lot of games lately. Yeah, I think in the last like ten to fifteen games, they've definitely changed up their style a little bit. Now it does help that they got all those guys back from injury. Uh, you know, the Russ and the the those fourth line guys. Um. And that that certainly helps, but I, I I do think that there's a notable noticeable difference in the way that they played early on in the season compared to like the last ten to fifteen games, and um you know that's a credit to him. Uh, and you know, listen, Sullivan, I can guarantee you preaches to these guys. You just go back to the power play for a minute to just shoot the puck, like get pucks on net, make the simple play. But you know these guys get out there. And they just do whatever the heck they want. And, you know, one of the worst things that could have happened is that power play goal they scored on Monday night. where The um, the, the, the Malkin one behind the... Yes, behind the back pass through the crease that just happened to land on Ricard Raquel's stick. 
you know, it's like, oh, now they're going to try that a thousand times yep. and it's not going to work any of those times. Oh. It'll work that one time. So they're going to keep trying it. And then, of course, the next five power plays after that look like complete garbage and they almost gave up a shorthanded goal. So, but, you know, I, I've asked Mike Sullivan many times, like, you know, do you, or, or, do you think that your team passed up too many opportunities to shoot on the power play night? And every time it's yes. And, you know, the other night they, they did have uh, uh, against Buffalo almost 50 shots on goal, but they also had, I think it was like six power play opportunities that night, including that five on three. They did not have any quality shots on those power plays, except for the five on three where, I mean, you know, you have a full two minutes of five on three, you're more than likely going to score eventually. So I don't even count that as like a successful power play. Yeah. So, you know, I think Sullivan preaches certain things to this team and because of the group, the very veteran group that they have, they kind of just go out and do their own thing a lot of times. And the (laughs) only guys that are really listening are the third and fourth line guys that, you know, aren't getting more than 10 minutes a night. Right. Right. Jake Gensel, his contract is up at the end of this season. Uh, do you think they'll they'll extend him? Uh, possibly trade him? I don't know. I don't. I mean, that's that's a very interesting situation. Yeah, I mean, if they're in a if they're in a playoff spot, I just I just don't see how you could trade him. Like, I understand the business aspect of it a hundred percent, but if you're in a seventh, eighth, even ninth spot and you know come the trade deadline i don't see how you trade him and say that you're making your team better you know yeah i think that they would be lucky to get him at 10 million dollars a season given what i've seen with the needlander contract i think 10 million is probably the the sweet spot um and you would probably have to give him eight years which i mean my goodness he's going to be like 38 at the end of the contract uh you know, at the same time, maybe in his mind, he's thinking, you know, I'm not going to play with anybody better than Sidney Crosby. Maybe he signs for five years instead of eight or, you know, something like that. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. I know the salary cap's going up, um, but, you know, you've, you've got a lot of guys making a lot of money on this team. I mean, maybe maybe a guy like Brian Rust is, is a casualty uh and you know they have to trade him away um you know because something's gonna have to give and you know what do, do you resign Nadalkovich at the end of the season uh, you know i don't know if you're yeah. gonna be able to afford him the way this this season that he's at right so, right uh there's gonna be a lot of tough decisions to make but i mean if this team is truly thinking that they are still in a window of being a contender i don't i don't know how you one trade him away and two not resign him Really, yeah, yeah. Trading, trading during the season is just not a not a possibility. Um, if you do decide, if they do decide to part ways, the only thing you say is like, okay, it frees up six million on on you know now we have six million to to, to spend somewhere else. Um, but you know, you know, I I heard something that said he's waiting. He's just weighing it out to see you yeah. know what's going on. And I think what I, maybe he just wants to see is like, well, what's going on with Sid? I mean, Sid's contract is up at the end of next year. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, when we, when we think that he's going to stick around, I mean, you know, uh, Malkin and Latang are here till 27, 28. So you figure at least, you know, Crosby would be around till then. So um, 
But yeah, you know, I'm fine with five years, fifty million, maybe a six-year contract. But you go to eight years with a with a dude that's twenty-nine. Yeah. Look, look what happened with Jeff Carter. That you know, the guy in his late thirties just fell off a cliff. Like that's scary. Especially yeah. they they give away no no uh, trade contracts like it's candy. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the only thing that you could think about if you sign him to an eight-year deal, like once Crosby, Malkin, Latang, those guys aren't here anymore. Maybe you trade Gensel for a first-round pick during your rebuilding. I mean, there's there's that possibility as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I would think that Crosby's going to sign uh, an extension to his contract. I mean, he he he'll probably play till he's 41, 42 years old. Uh, I would think, and you know, obviously, I think that he would at the very least sign a contract to coincide with the end of Latang and, and Malkin's contracts. So uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. And I think obviously Sidney Crosby would love to have Jay Gensel here too. So that, that might play a huge factor in it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Riley Smith has been a pretty big disappointment. He started off great and then it just went to crap. And now, now he's on the third line, but Drew O'Connor, I didn't see this coming. I I didn't think it would it, it would ever click with him, but it sure sound looks like looks like they might have found something there that you know a, a, a permanent guy in the top six. Yeah, I'm gonna take sole credit for Drew O'Connor's uh, sudden resurgence because I called him a jabroni two weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, he saw that. He's like, yeah, I'll show he him. must have seen that. Uh, I don't know. It was a private text message between me and one of my friends, but he must have seen somehow seen it. Um, and yeah, now he, he looks like, uh, he's a legitimate top six winger. And, um, I mean, he's, he's great. He's getting in there on the four check. He's setting up goals. He's scoring goals. I mean, it's, it's just like a light bulb went off over this guy's head or something. And unfortunately the exact opposite has happened for Riley Smith. And I was so excited about Riley Smith coming here because I I watched a lot of Vegas Golden Knights game. I actually was in Vegas for the uh, Stanley Cup last year when they won the cup, and uh, I watch a lot of their games. And you know, every night when he was in Vegas, he was on the score sheet either a big penalty kill, a block shot, a goal, an assist. And he started out great here. I was like, man, look at this chemistry that that him and Malkin have. And he's I think he's got like two goals in his last twenty six games or something. Um, what I'm hoping is, and I mean, this is just completely out there, but they're going to Vegas in two, in, uh, next weekend, the Penguins and maybe a trip to Vegas. I'm sure they'll do some sort of like, welcome back to Vegas, Riley. Maybe that'll jumpstart him. Maybe yeah. playing in that building will we'll get him going again because the talent is there. Like he is a good hockey player. Um, and you know, like I said, I mean, when he was with Vegas, every night he was on the score sheet one way or the other. So, the, you know, the same thing we talked about with with Graves and 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 Carlson. I'm hoping that he he finds this game too because he he's a he's a solid player. I mean, when I, when I was on a different show earlier in the year, they asked me what was I most excited about from the offseason acquisitions. I said Riley Smith, hands down. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, he's been a pretty big disappointment the last like 20 games or so. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird. Especially since he started off so hot, yes. him and Malkin were just on fire. And then uh, who knows? It's just, maybe you just unlucky or something like that. But, uh, but I, someone, a newcomer who is really coming uh really doing well, Lars Eller. Yes. Uh, Not what we, 
think of as the ideal third line center, but still, hey, you know, good defensively, a little bit off, a little bit offense, but still, I think he's the like perfect in in that third line center role. Yeah, and he's you know, it's great to have those veteran guys on the third and fourth line. Now you don't want six veterans on the third and fourth line because you know you'll just get uh, skated out of the building, but. To, you know, to have a guy like that, you know, anchoring your third line. And look, I, I've been surprised by his offensive ability. I, I mean, I, I I think he's already scored more goals than I expected from him this year. And, you know, we're not even halfway through the season. Um, I think that was a great acquisition. I, I think that he really kind of cements that third line. And you noticed when he wasn't in there, when he was out for those few games when he was hurt. It, there, it was a noticeable drop off in play for that third line when he wasn't there. So um I I think that that he is the perfect third line guy, you know, or in his earlier years, yeah, he's a top six guy. But you know, for his age, he is a solid third line guy that can occasionally contribute on offense, but he's going to be defensively responsible as well. Perfect person for the playoffs if, oh, they, if they if they get in. He'd be perfect for that. It's a very interesting third line right now. Lars Eller, Riley Smith, and uh Pusinen. Pusinen, I think, is I, I I think I think he's if he's going through that Drew O'Connor um cycle, it's gonna be a while till he catches on. But yeah, uh, you know, maybe hopefully hopefully he'll just stick with the big club. They need young people. Yeah, I, I think and there's just not room for him right now, I don't think. But I think Pustinen is best served in a top six role. Um, I, I don't really think that he's kind of got the the he's not built to be a third or fourth line guy. Now he did have a great four check in the Flyers game the other night uh, that led to a goal. Um, and I agree with you. I, I think just having those young legs on the team is very helpful, regardless if he's on the second line, third line, whatever. Um, but I think that the type of game that he plays is best served playing probably with Evgeny Malkin, but I do understand why he's on the third line also. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I mean, not for the trade deadline is literally, I think two months away, but and and they are right up against a cap. I think they're like two hundred thousand in space, so they don't have much space. Much. But what do you think they should try to get in the trade deadline if they're buyers? Yeah, I, I think that they need to get another kind of stay at home type defenseman. Um, you know, like I said, you know, obviously a guy like Rako Gudis or you know uh, somebody cut from that type of cloth would be great, but. I, you, you have to trade somebody on the roster away in order to do that. Um, that's probably the number one thing that they need. Um, it, it's nice that for a change, it's not a backup goaltender. Um, I think um, another, you know, another speedy guy, to, speedy yet physical guy to fill out that third and fourth line, maybe. Um, those would be my two biggest things, I think. Um you know, it's funny to say because the, right now they're not even in a playoff spot, but I don't think that there's as many holes on this team as people maybe think there are. I think that it's a pretty balanced, well-balanced and well-rounded team, but yeah. certainly if they could pick up another like top four defensive defenseman, that would really help. And um, like I said, if you could find another 
guy with speed. Um, you know, it doesn't even have to be necessarily be a young guy. Um, you know, that we saw back when they won the cup, they brought in Carl Hagelin. He wasn't like 18 years old or anything at that time, but he was fast, one of the fastest guys in the league. So, uh, you know, either, either, you know, speed or some sort of physical element for the third or fourth line. If you could get a guy that does, has both speed and a physical element, that would be great. But uh, I don't think that there's too many guys out there like that. So uh, those would be my, my kind of top uh, shopping list items for the trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, even the fourth line is not that bad. <laughs> Jeff Carter is finally in a good role. He's not, you know, when you don't make him the third line center, when you put him in the fourth line, he's actually not bad. Yeah, uh, seven or eight, seven or eight minutes of Jeff Carter is just enough in a night. Perfect. And, you know, hey, listen, it, I, I watch him take faceoffs and, you know, I, I play still play hockey and listen, the, the way that he takes faceoffs and his technique, I mean, he's 39 years old, but he's still winning the majority of his faceoffs. Like it's watching him take faceoffs is like an art form, you know, just, you know, t- take a minute when you're watching a game, anybody who's listening, watch Jeff Carter take faceoffs. It's really kind of quite amazing to, to watch the way he takes faceoffs, the way he shifts his hands, the way he shifts his body weight. I mean, there. It's no coincidence that the Penguins are one of the top face-off teams in the league. They're probably learning a lot from Jeff Carter. Probably. Um, that is one area Crosby has improved on this year. He was yes. pretty poor in face-offs uh, previously, and this year he's been really good. So, yeah, yeah, we will see. I'm just... I'm just happy that they're in it. I'm just, I'm just, it's going to be exciting. It's, it's, I'm just happy that they're, you know, it's not a, they're not a joke. Um, they've always been either in a playoff spot or, or, uh, or near one for what the past 20 yeah, years 20 now. Years. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's great to see. So yeah, these, uh, the, the, they got this West Coast trip coming up. And a lot of the times, you know, over the, over the seasons, these, these West Coast swings where it's, you know, a four or five game road trip, they, oftentimes will be a turning point for the season one way or the other. So it'll be interesting to see what happens on this uh, next West coast swing that's coming up. Yeah. And, and the wild card in all this is Dubas. This is, this is new for him too. We don't know what he's going to be like as, I mean, we know what he was like as a GM at the trade deadline with, with Toronto, but we don't know what he's going to be like now. And you know, I think it's like he said, he's like, well, we'll see how things are until the yeah. all-star break. It's like, well, they, they responded. So it's like, okay, you know, you know who I, who I heard today is available again, Jacob Chikrin. Really? I don't know yeah. what's going like, like, how is he available again? He was, <laughs> we just went through this. Um, you know, maybe they could do some crazy hey. thing and pull up a trade for him. Um, Cause, because they, I, I, I heard. Obviously, last year the Penguins were. Well, we'll see. We don't know how how much they were in on on him, but also Toronto was last year. So maybe Dubas really likes him. I don't. I don't know. That that could be interesting. It's going to be real interesting because I can't. He he could literally go anywhere from like making a single move to get a fourth line guy all the way to like trading Riley Smith away who he just right. got in the off season to make some sort of blockbuster trade. Like right. you, you just don't, I mean, he, he's a, he's a cowboy, man. He's it's like the wild west with Dubis. I mean, obviously it's very calculated what he's doing, but he's not afraid to make moves at all. Well, the, uh, the, the Carlson, the, the Carlson trade, um, he should 
be like in a jail or something like that because yeah. that was getting rid of all the bad co contracts and getting Carlson and, and making it off into the cap. That was just that was wizardry. Yeah, I mean, for anybody who wants to complain about you know Eric Carlson's play this year, first off, I mean, come on, he's plus eleven and he's doing well. Second, Would you rather have Mikhail Granlund or yeah, yeah? Second, just think about all the guys that were gotten rid of off of this roster because of the Eric Carlson trade. And then, you know, come back to me with your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was addition by addition and addition by subtraction. My goodness. That was, that exactly. was amazing. So, <laughs> all right. Hey, it was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on. How can people uh, find you? Yeah, you can, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle or X, whatever we're calling it these days is at PGHVC. And um, I write for Stan Fischler, uh, the Fischler Report. Um, basically, you could just, the, the easiest way to do it, just Google the Fischler Report. Uh, it's free. You just put your email address in and uh, uh, you'll get the uh, the Fischler Report uh, when it's published. Yeah. And you have, you have great tweets uh, uh, about the Penguins. So, Thank yeah. You. Yeah. I'm hey, sure glad, to, glad to be on uh, anytime. All right. Hey, thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you. See you. Bye.